Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Environmental Engagement Podcast, where we'll be discussing all the issues about the environment, giving you the facts, and spilling our take on them. For today's episode, we're going to be discussing how the world of environmental policies works. And my name is Habib, and I'm here with my co-host, Ashley. Hey. And Emmanuel. What's up? And today we have a special guest we're going to be interviewing. Um, her name is Pamela Nelson. So, Hello. hey, Pamela. Yeah. Hi, Pamela. So, could you start by introducing yourself and giving us a rundown of what you do? And then afterwards, we're just going to ask you a few questions to help us better understand how the world of environmental policies work. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, Pam Nelson, and I live way out in Warner Springs, so I'm east of Temecula. Um, and I'm chair of the local um, Sierra Club group called the San Gorgonio. Um, the Santa Margarita group of the San Gorgonio chapter. So we cover the Temecula Valley Basin area, kind of into Menifee, Lake Elsinore, and any other place somebody might want to <laughs> us to look. Um, okay. But that's our general area. Um, and I have a background from, um, from but, oh, I went through my master's degree and um, started a PhD at Oregon State once and um, all about pretty much uh, biochemistry, ecology, um, biology, all those kinds of topics. And then went on to be um, a researcher in water quality, um, uh, marine sciences, um, lots of different sorts of researches, but all kind of ecological and chemical in nature. And um, even at one time was down in Baja at um, Ensenada working with um, some students, some college students and then came up to the U.S. again and worked in um, water treatment and sewage treatment. So I got this big background in all kinds of parts of our ecology from marine to effects onto land and people. And then became a high school teacher at Fulbright High School for about 16, 17 years. And then became um, a director on the Resource Conservation District where I learned all the ins and outs of the different jurisdictions and um, levels of government and how policies and people and government all work together. And then now I'm uh, focusing on more the nonprofit Sierra Club methods of doing things to help the environment. Okay. That's it. So kind of like a track of all trades I see. Yes, yes. And it really takes that when you're looking at the environment. That's really cool. That's very interesting, especially the marine sciences, because I personally want to be an oceanographer when I get into college. Oh, yeah, 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 it was real. Um, I did a lot of work with um, uh, San Diego State and a group called SQUIRP. You should actually look into them because um, SQUIRP, it's S-C-C-W-R-P, Southern California Coastal Water Research Project. And they are a fantastic um, group that works along the whole coastline, but they helped me down with a project in Ensenada along with San Diego State people and some uh, scripts people. And Whoa, it was, um, okay. so yeah, marine science is fabulous. Yeah, and there's so, a place down in um, Ensenada called Cicese, C-I-C-E-S-E. That's a, a school and research organization nice. down there that's real good. That's really cool. And so more places even. Yeah. So you're in the Sierra yeah. Club, correct? And that's based in Sacramento. Um, it's actually a national um, organization. It's the oldest and oh. biggest environmental 
group in the nation. Yeah, so it's national, but it has all state levels, chapter levels, um, and group levels. So um, when I look at things, I look at, I, I can go to the national level to ask questions about federal things, the state level, um, the California Sierra Club that are really focused on, you know, the Sacramento, you know, what's going on in Sacramento. And then the chapter level that I'm in the San Gorgonio is Riverside and San Bernardino. And then our group level, that's what I'm chair of, is just this Temecula Valley Basin. Okay. So do you know how the Sierra Club got its start actually? So like... Yeah, um, you know, there's a whole history about John Muir and how he was, um, you know, I'm not really up on the history. I kind of <laughs> just hear about, you know, I mean, I haven't memorized it. But John it, Muir was the instigator of the whole club. Yeah, okay. and he, um, he promoted, yeah, he promoted conservation with um, whoever were the presidents like Roosevelt. I think it was then that, you know, to get national parks and to get, you um, large areas protected and so that was the beginning of the Sierra Club concept of protecting big areas of land and um, you know the environment through John Muir. That's really cool to hear so I have a quick question um, now that we're on the topic of like um, talking about how the Sierra Club got started and, and the and the purpose of the club so this is just kind of like a it's, it's more of like an insight question. So if you could rank uh, climate change on like a list of immediate threats to the human race, where would you rank it? And how important is it for us to take this issue seriously? And what role does the government play in this process? OK, well, um, it's the top concern. Um, you know, we have a we have a climate change um, committee. And every time we talk about anything other than climate change, he, um, this is um, the one chair, he says, wait, if you don't, you know, talk about climate change, this is the other thing isn't going to happen, or isn't going to help. And then we have to remind him that it's a multi pronged um, approach to climate change that the Sierra Club has this year. Um, there's groups that focus on certain things like um, the citizens climate lobby, CCL, they focus on putting a fee on it all carbon use. And that's what, what um, our, our committee chair says is the most important thing to do right now. But then, you know, the Sierra Club knows that there's a lot of things we have to do besides just one thing at a time. So all of our different expertise can kind of all attack the problem at one time. And so that's how the Sierra Club is looking. It's, you know, get rid of coal because they had to be on coal and um, you know, program campaign because that's a big, you know, huge polluter for uh, with emissions. And um, and in our group, we're focusing on um, wildlife crossings and corridors because we have to be able to have um, the the animals and plants and everybody be able to move and adapt because climate change is happening right now. So we better save them right now. You know, at least routes that they can take. Um, so yeah, it's a Sierra Club is going in a multi-prong attack on it, but it is the number one issue. And yeah. then government, how does government, oh yeah, yeah, how does government play? Well, that's where we, um, at least most, many of us 
if we have the background in the government levels and the policies, we can use those tools to get the government to enforce or act on policies that they already have on the books. So that um, you, you can find all sorts of things that we can use right now and not create new ordinances or new policies. There's lots of things we can use right now. And in particular, um, the Multi-Species Habitat Conservation Plan, the MSHCP that Southwest Riverside County has is a very good tool um, because it's all about transportation and land use and habitats all in one policy. And so that one I use whenever a development is coming in, I look to see what are they doing to the creeks and the, um, the different corridors when they're putting a development in and what does it say about the transportation routes and is it really a sprawl that they're putting in? So the greenhouse gases are gonna be affected and we can bring that up right now. So um, there are, this is, um, yeah, we have to use their policies otherwise we can't make changes. It too, takes too long to make new policies. Um, the general plans and the climate action plans, those are two other things that we have to look at. So. Um, the climate action plans are supposed to be addressing things like sprawl and greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and same with um, the general plan um, as far as design and infrastructure. Perfect, thank you for all that insight. Um, so what actions do you and the Sierra Club take to preserve national lands and protect endangered species? Well, as far as national lands, that's a whole nother infrastructure, government infrastructure level. Um, national lands, you know, take up, um, they're under the jurisdiction of the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, um, U.S. Forest Service. Um, then, yeah, pretty much those are the federal or national level lands that we can look at here. So, you know, national parks, those kind of, kind of things. Um, we have to address with the Department of Interior and, um, but we go to, you know, directly to the U.S. Forest Service units and to the um, Bureau of Land Management sections that are, for instance, right here we have in Moreno Valley, the Bureau of Land Management office. And then there's a, another one in Palm Springs that covers our area too. So those are the two offices I go to when Bureau of Land Management lands are being um, abused, say, or something's happening on them. And then the U.S. Forest Service, then they, then we, you know, look at the Cleveland National Forest and the San Bernardino National Forest offices to talk to them. Um, also, um, the California Fish and Wildlife Service and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services are the go-to places, too. I have direct numbers to those people all the time when I see something happening in a creek or, you know, some area, because those are those are all over the place. The creeks are have the jurisdiction. Um, the jurisdictions are covered by the California um, Fish and Wildlife people. So if I see something happening in any creek, I call them right away. You know, some sort of grading or somebody's damming it or destroying it. And um, so those are those are important contacts there. The Army Corps is another one. U.S. Army Corps, and um, I do have people I can contact there, but they're a lot, they're kind of more limited. The late policies have been limiting them to what areas they cover. So I usually go straight to the state fish and wildlife for questions. Okay, thank you for that.
that's really that's really interesting but something yeah. i was wondering while you're talking about that is like just i guess with hearing what you're saying what kind of future do you see for us and like the environment we live in like as i guess with the path that we're going well, on now um, yeah um i see it as a um you know a hard battle to preserve what we have i mean i don't I, you know we have to go back you know it's always easier to do things right the first time which we haven't done in a lot of places in southern california so we have a hard battle to try to get things back to what they should have been and most likely we're going to have some of that happen but we have to focus on preserving what we have right now um, that's one of the things i'm looking at is you know what do we have now and to watch it and to see what's planned what's on the books for it and how we can change it to be a better better way to grow um so yeah it's it's a to me it's it's real scary and it's really immediate it's an immediate problem so i work you know <laughs> i wish i could work 24 hours a day but i'm always working on some sort of project or issue that's come up and you know trying to to either prevent something or to fix something like restore an area. So yeah, the, the future, um, it's, it's gonna take a whole bunch of us to keep watching and working to preserve it and hopefully restore some of it. Yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. So with that being said, if you could say one thing to the coming generation and you know that they would hear it, what would it be? What would you say to them? Oh boy, um, I would say um, to keep up with, uh, you know, the technology the best you can as far as, um, you know, new, because, new types of fuel and better types of transportation, but to at the same time, look at the infrastructure that we are using for transportation and our growth. So, you know, look in the field, look on the land, and then also look forward to the technologies that we can apply right now. Um, but I think we're gonna have to, to feel like stewards and, um, you know, protect and um, fight for the habitat and the um, quality of life that we have now. So that's sort of a convoluted <laughs> it's not very not a simple answer, but um, uh, those are the things I'm thinking about right now. So, well, yeah, it's one of the most complex issues haunting our generation right now. So, there's no simple answer. But I uh, appreciate so much yeah. you coming here, and we appreciate environmentalists like you who are always looking out for the future generations and and wanting to take care of the earth. So, thank you so much for what you do. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of this information yeah. with us. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really cool to see someone so experienced give us insight like that. Yeah, and uh, on that note... Well, thank you. And Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just, just going to say back to you because um, I'm so glad you're interested. And, in, you know, if you can pick some sort of focuses and really, um, you know, look at the, the area we live in and see all the beauty and all the little jewels that we have around here and try to figure out how to protect them and um, 
you know, and then try to keep up with all the new stuff that's coming along to help protect it. It'd be it's really good. So I'm glad. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you again. So um, on that note, we're going to end today's episode. Pamela, thank you again so much for joining us today and giving us an insight okay. on what it's like to be an environmentalist and how your career handles uh, some of the most vital issues of today's world. So to everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in and okay. have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, well, thank you. Bye. Of course.